Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 849, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Hey, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 849. That tells you that next issue is going to be a spectacular anniversary issue. Yeah. That's what it tells you. Double-sized. Yeah. Triple-sized. In, in comic book parlance, those any number that ends with a nine is a chance that they're going to try to sell you something on the next one. <laughs> and we got something to sell you boys next week. And, and girls. girls. And girls. I don't know why. Listen. And all, everything else. I've got a 90% chance, though, that when I say boys to somebody, it's right. Well, according to that one demographic survey we did, 20... No, twenty years ago, twelve years ago. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't care. But when I close my eyes and I picture the audience, I have a very specific <laughs> image in my head. Which means that when I meet somebody who isn't that, I'm delighted yes. because I don't want to appeal to people who are only exactly like me. But here we are. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm Josh Flanagan, and this is Mike. This is like when you say things. You've dug us into a hole to start. No. With. You say things that are awful, and then you try to go with the context, which I haven't learned from my life, never works. This is Connor Kilpatrick, and uh, I have to apologize to him, as I do every week when I start digging. I'm going to get canceled by proxy. I mean, I kind of want to see where the line is. I'm not going to lie. We are iFanboy. Every week, one of us picks a book for men. We we like the best from our stack of comics. We call that the pick of the week. I was going to say more jokes, but they they weren't good. We talk about the book. We talk about other books from the week. And this week, that means a lot of books. Yeah. There's a patron pick. We will answer listener mail if we have time. Spoiler, we won't. Also, spoiler, there's stuff in the books that we are going to talk about. So if you haven't read them, that's on you. Connor, you had the pick. I don't know that it was any better for you than me, though. You just had to pick something. But we had to read. Yeah, I mean... I don't know where to start with the book or start with a just telling people that your jokes are your are dumb jokes. I, I don't know what to do. Let's just start with the book. No, let's justify me for a while. <laughs> so I had a good number of books. I had twenty five books, which is or twenty six. I can't remember what it ended up being. It was twenty five or twenty six books, which is a lot. Wow, it went up. Yeah, it went way up. I just kept adding things to the list, and then you know, we had the why because I'd see things like oh I need to read that. And, okay, you're doing your job. You're yeah. being okay. Trying other things. Sometimes you add books because you're like, I don't know what to pick, so I'm going to put other things. No, in. no, no. That, it was before I, I was, you know, reading. It just ended up. It just ended up being like I missed something or you know, oh, what that book. Yeah. And, oh yeah. No, no. That rarely happens, by the way. That you can't figure out a pick and then you add some more things and then that thing becomes a pick. I can't right. think of any time that happened. Right. I mean, I didn't have a trouble this week. There was lots to choose from, and yes. it, the very last book I read out of those twenty six was the Human Target book seven. And I actually reread book six before because it's been, I think, eight months since the last issue. Really? That long? Yeah, I think it was March when they 
not eight months. That's too many. I think it's been six months since the last issue. That and then that last issue was the one where they killed Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner. They smashed him, and we we start to think at the end of that that Fire might be the one who is responsible. Right, and so I was like, oh, I, I can vaguely remember, but I wanted to because I love this book so much. I wanted sure. to. I even had. I even entertained ideas of reading all six issues and i was like that's not gonna happen <laughs> so no. those are big books yeah and I, I and i read so i read but I, but six was enough and so you know seven come it also important to note five six and now seven were all pick of the week so we're three in a row now for this series and you know it's just that tom king who was the writer and greg smallwood who was the artist and clayton cowles who was the letterer i don't know that they're working on a different level than everybody else, but they're working on a more interesting level than everyone else. Tom King's books don't always necessarily succeed in being great, but they always succeed in being interesting and different than other books. He's he's trying. I I mean, like, there is... I don't know if it's a level of effort, because I don't know how hard it is for him. You know what I mean? But, like, it's a different approach, and we see the same approach. It's so easy, and sometimes it's totally enjoyable for somebody to drop all the parts into the template and do the thing, and we say, oh, that's good old superheroes. It's right. just like Dad used to do. Mm-hmm. Tom King is challenging us. He's the luxury of it. He's the luxury of doing yes. 12 issues out of continuity for as long as he wants with with premier artists. You know, When he did the monthly grind of Batman, it, it wasn't always like this. There were flashes of arcs like this, but it was He earned know, that, though, yeah. and that's important. Right. You know, like like it keeps working despite the odds. I still remember reading Batman, like who wants this? And I don't mean that in a sense like this is bad, but I just thought, does this make Batman people happy? It's right. super interesting. And that's really, I mean, I think this book is true. I think this is my this is my second favorite Tom King book right now, and we're only a little over half the way through it. I've talked about this before. It's been my wheelhouse. This is a L.A. noir take on the Justice League International, and that's like all the things I love and <laughs> put into a blender. Being drawn by someone who is out of this world talented. Let's talk about Greg Smallwood first. I love everything about his style. I mean, it's all digital. He's done a lot of process stuff online. I love how you can see the quote-unquote ink marks, the pen marks. I love how he just sort of scribbles over people, you know, to give them sort of shadowy texture. But it's not like ink. You can see the lines. There's a shot of fire towards the end where she's naked wearing his coat on the street yeah. and it says you want to kiss me now don't you and at the, and at the end he just sort of did the lines on her body to give her you know a little bit of shadow but it's it's just lines it's just you know he just t- turned the page sideways and did you know the side of the pencil the digital pencil and mm-hmm. i love that well i mean as a guy who has clearly has talent at replicating the qualities of analog in a digital form which is which is a real saleable talent now yeah you're absolutely right and that page stuck out. Like, as soon as you said that, I was like, I know exactly what image you're talking about. There's faces that you don't get. Like, the human target, you know, Christopher Chance's face is so unique and interesting. And all of these women have different looks. You know, you would never confuse fire for ice, even if you took their hair away, which is, you know, a lot of comic artists, and it's not a knock, it's just they, they tend to use the same stock faces. Even, even Bashema did that, you know, he had the same faces. But sure. And there's nothing wrong with that, necessarily. But Smallwood's art is as considered as King's writing is, which makes for a very special experience. And he's doing everything. He's, he's writing. I mean, he's drawing. He's coloring. He's, you know, inking. It's all Smallwood. And that's why they took the break, because he needed to catch up. And, you know, the last thing you want is this book to get a guest artist. The last thing you want is this book to 
be late. I'd rather take the break in the middle and then have the last six come out on time. So, we've got here is Christopher Chance is now in his own special way interrogating Fire, who he believes is the main suspect in the, in his own murder. He's been poisoned. He was protecting Lex Luthor. He was pretending to be Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor was poisoned, but it was really him. And he found out that it was this off-world alien poison that was only accessible by the members of the Justice League International. He's been working his way through the team. He, he's interrogated Booster Gold. He's interrogated Blue Beetle. He's interrogated Guy Gardner. He's interrogated Ice. He's been sleeping with Ice. And now we're up to Fire. And the thing is, if this was issue 10 or 11, you'd say it was Fire. But it's not. It's issue 7 of 12. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more to come, which means it's definitely not fire. Because also at the end, we feel like we have a form of resolution. Right. Because it's not fire. We learned that. We learned that the recently shattered Guy Gardner, who they had to dispose of the body in something that is going to feel a little to me like season two of Friday Night Lights, where <laughs> Tara and uh, Landry become murderers and mm-hmm. then we just never talk about it again, which is the correct move, by the way. Um, <laughs> but there are going to be consequences for that. There's going to be. Oh, sure. And I, I'm anxious about those consequences. You know, like the drama of it is real to me. You don't want bad things to happen to the characters you like, but they have to. The thing is, Christopher Chance has been sucked into this world, this, this psychosexual situation he's got going with Ice and this and this, his own murder, where, you know, I don't fully trust her. Ice? Yeah. yeah. Well, you've said that from the beginning. I think he feels that way too, but he can't help himself because, you know. Oh, he's like fallen for her. She's a Norwegian ice goddess. Who amongst us? But this is classic Raymond Chandler stuff where the detective gets pulled in by the nice girl and falls for her. And often the nice girl turns out to be the killer. This is someone who's read a lot of Raymond Chandler books, has read a lot of other P.I. in L.A. stories, and is putting that into the comic world in in a 60s aesthetic. And it's just a beautiful... An 80s JLI. Oh, for sure. The aesthetic, we've talked about this before, is very 60s Darwin Cook-esque. You know, it's like, how do you physically... Engineer comic for me, it's this book. It's like yes. every time you look at something new, it's like, oh, I love that too. Even Tom King's bits of whimsy where, you know, Fire and Christopher Chance are out dancing at a nightclub, which don't really exist anymore. And, you know, uh, people come in to rob it. They're all wearing DC Halloween masks and just little bits of Tom King whimsy like that. And they're still dancing in the middle of it because Fire's just burning their weapons while they dance with her eyes. It's just terrific. It's just really terrific. I'm so glad it's back. I'm looking forward to more. When they first announced this, we were all like, the human target, really? But we should stop doing that when he announces books. I have. I, you know, whatever it is, it's going to get the chance regardless. Right. But you may think, well, you know, and then at the same time, Strange Adventures comes out, and that's the one that on paper I would have been most excited for, and it's probably my least favorite of them. Yeah. I mean, that book was at least interesting. It's always interesting. He's never phoned it in a single time ever. Yeah. And if you talk to him... Like I do, because I'm that kind of man about town. He doesn't have an ego about it. He genuinely thinks it's all terrible. Well, it's every every. I know, but I, something like every show we finish, like that was terrible. No, <laughs> like, but it's it's fun. Like I said, I don't know one of the last issues, and I just I, I texted him. I was like, this is really. He doesn't listen to the show anymore, and I just yeah. like that issue was really good. Like it was incredible, yeah. and you should hear that. And then I was like please don't follow up with something self-effacing. And then he didn't respond for like two hours. And I was like, what's going on? He goes, you told me not to respond with something (laughs) self-effacing. And it's not an act. Yeah. You know, like he's confident. He knows what he can do it. He does the pitch or whatever, but it's so good. 
And and it's not even just good. We used to say this about. I mean, honestly, are we getting close to a person who's like Grant Morrison? Not thematically, not feel wise. Yeah. But when a thing comes out, you know, we talked we talked about swinging for the fences. Like, yeah. He's putting in the work. He's not trying to get behind his personality, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of writers get. Bendis can do that. Bendis gets ahead, gets by on his personality, which is really entertaining. You know, he's a good writer, all sorts of things. But he knows that if he needs to coast, he can fill up pages, and they're going to be entertaining. This stuff is like the work is evident. The structure, the planning. And there must be a, a big cork board somewhere. <laughs> I'm just scrolling through these pages while you talk. And to get back to Smallwood, I mean, the coloring in this book is exemplary. It's it's very dark and shadowy when they're in the nighttime, but it's also just full of these great pop art colors. I mean, just, again, the 60s aesthetic is throughout this book. Purples and reds and, you know, greens because of fire. It's, it's just beautiful to look at. Look at page 17 when Chance jumps off the Ferris wheel. Look how he is just a couple of impressionistic lines his body and then the ferris wheel pops orange and the green fires as fire jumps off to save him and the rest of the panel is all very sort of subdued and dark it's just beautifully constructed this book 100 percent. yeah i you know one of the things that i'm proud of is that when i first saw his work on moon night with brian wood yeah i I immediately was like look at this person and that's coming (laughs) off to I forget who they were. I know that Declan Shalvey was the artist before him. Yeah. And there was somebody else between them who was also really good. But like Smallwood, and I stopped reading the book, but I kept looking at Like I kept, I didn't care about the story. I just kept looking at it. I was like, well, this person has the thing. And to watch Bing, 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 you know, like not too much longer later, five years later, he's doing great work. And it's one of those things where where we do the show and be able to develop that. I used to wonder, I was like, how do you find these artists? And now it sometimes becomes quick. And if somebody has it like really good from the beginning, you you know, it's just so obvious. Right. And Tom King is fantastic at, you know, being able to see that and bring those, you know, Jorge Fornes, Mitch Garrett's was not a huge name before I started doing that stuff. And now, you know, they're, they're top of the industry. So much about just putting a book together. You know what that is? That's producing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's an LA native. We were talking earlier this week that you read two terrific books this week. Was this one of them? No, I hadn't read this yet. Oh, it was a terrific book. I wouldn't have made it my pick of the week, but obviously it was great. It just, to me, was another chapter in an amazing, you know, like one episode of The Wire season five, you know, right. four. You know, like that's what it felt like. So it's difficult for me to think of a thing that brought... The last issue, number six, was such a shocker right. in what happened. This was good and interesting, but it didn't necessarily stand out in that way other than this as being part of a whole that is fantastic every song on the album's great this is another song on it another book i loved was superman space age book two superman space age book two was one of those books this was pick of the week until i read the human target right 80 something like it was it's a graphic novel it's 85 pages yeah you know i think we said this last time for book one if this was any other book or not you know like <laughs> i'd be like jesus this is too long but i was so continuously delighted by this book like, mm-hmm. just straight through there is a page i'm sorry it's been a little while i'm gonna look for it. you talk about it and i'm gonna tell you about the thing i was thinking so this is mark russell and mike allred laura allred's black label is it black label hmm. no it's not black label nope. you know out of continuity superman book that is sort of superman in real time so this is like is it late 60s it was the 70s, it's the I, 70s. Know We're in 72 I know what i'm in 72 here yep doesn't it start with him coming to Earth in the 30s? It's like he comes of age in the 60s, and then now it's the 70s. That might be... I don't remember. It was a, I don't remember either. I knew that it took place in the past. It feels like this is spot on. This would be the same age as like Superman the movie. Right. So 
my only criticism of the book, and it's, and it's super minor, is that it runs up against the edge of the problematic idea that you shouldn't be fighting villains, you should be fighting societal ills. And it's like, that's a no-win situation for superheroes. Well... Superman can't punch racism in the face. And yes. he's not going to defeat famine. Either way, you get a very unsatisfying story because either Superman solves all the world's problems and then I get to read a book about a, a world much better than the one I'm in or he does it and it's disappointing. So like, Any book about Superman is a world that's better than the one we're in. I get the impulse, but it's also like this is not why we're here, and not, which is not to say you shouldn't deal with those things in books, but you can't have them be solved by the characters because I think this that's is, hollow. This is Russell's attempt to address that question maybe not answer it but to address it i think that's in here and he talks and that's why i say it only gets to the edge of it it doesn't right. fully go that far but there's a point where in this book where i was like oh no he's getting to that point that thing where it's like why are you punching brainiac you should be you know punching dictators and like, yes but mark russell should only write books with characters at the center who are inherently good Mm -hmm. because then he can make everything else as cynical and awful as he wants to. But in the center, I'm not even kidding, because this is the same thing that was with Red Sonja. Red Sonja was inherently good. You know, where we go to not all robots or something, but there's nobody good in that. And at the end, you're just like, I just feel bad about everything. Right. But you put Superman, because a person, by the way, I know this because I, I think I am one of those people, but I'm also attracted to people. A person who is really cynical about the state of the world is actually a person who wants the best for everything. Mm -hmm. And they don't see it, and it's disappointing in that way. And I think that's what you get with Mark Russell here. But what I'm going to say is the thing that I remembered. I knew there was something in the book. Is there, a moment, there was a moment where I was like, I'm in love, and it's totally pandering. But it, in one double-page spread, Superman stops the Edmund Fitzgerald from wrecking. Right. Lois meets Deep Throat, solves Watergate. Yeah, she becomes... And, and, and Superman, standing in front of Elvis, shakes Nixon's hand. Right. And I just thought, oh, man. Like, the, like it was... It was just so fun. <laughs> it was so fun. And then you, you, the next thing after this, this is basically like, how do I get this girl to like me? And it was a very human version of Superman. He had doubts like any you know young adult would. He's trying to do the right thing. He comes back to ask advice on a woman. And his father's like, here's the right place. And then after that, it's really funny. You know, yeah. where, where Ma Kent is like, don't listen to him. And he just stands around. He's like, glad we could help. Right. You know, it was delightful. It was so delightful. I mean, like, like I said, this is my pick week before I read The Human Target. This is my second favorite book of the week. There was just tons of great Superman stuff in here. Uh -huh. At one point, I think it was Lois, because she interviews him twice in this book, where she says, like, why do you even waste your time, you know, getting cats out of trees or helping old ladies? You know, he's like, well, everything I do, if it can make someone's day better than it was, then I've succeeded. And that's Superman. Yeah. And he also says, which I thought was nice in that same way, he goes, I kind of like it. Right. He's like, why do you sign autographs or talk to them? He's like, I like it. You know, and I, and I thought that's really genuine, right. you know, because, you know, there is a value to the life that he's living. He's not Spider-Man. Spider-Man feels like he has to do everything all the time and he feels bad about himself. Superman gets a joy out of it. He's not fulfilling a duty so that he isn't depressed. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Great stuff in the, in the Daily Planet, you know, with the sexism. Mm -hmm. But Superman gets really mad at that one guy who's who's given Lois shit, yeah. which I thought was again really human. The stuff in the Justice League, a great, a great ongoing joke about Flash and bombs, you know, which, which <laughs> that, and it off. paid off. Yep. And it paid off. Yeah, Flash decides he's got to be better at defusing bombs because people are always asking him to because to, it's a time thing. People are always asking him to defuse bombs. Like, I'm just I'm fast. I don't know how to defuse bombs. So he's been he's working on bombs throughout the entire episode and becomes a payoff where he. 
he has a closet full of bombs that he practices on and uses them to blow up Brainiac's ship. And then this amazing, you know, morality question about Brainiac. Right. It's like, you're all going to die. I'm just trying to do the most good, which is, you know, goes back. They keep talking about the uh, the train question, which yeah, we would have trolley, all learned. In, the trolley. The trolley yeah. in Psych 101. It was a train when I first heard it. That's just why I said that. Mm. You know, it's so beautifully constructed. On a week where you have 20-plus books to read and everything else that's going on in the world, and I'm 75 pages into a, a book, and I don't want to stop reading it, that's something. No, this is definitely one of, the, one of Mark Russell's best things in a while. Mm-hmm. And I remember you, you and Ryan talking about this when I was out. I'm really happy that you're enjoying the art, too, because I'm, I'm a huge Mike Allred fan. And his art, which is beautiful and retro, but it has a strange veneer over it, really works for this story. It does. The str- I, think this, I still feel like I'm looking at it in the strangeness, the ugliness. And I don't mean ugly isn't bad, but there's an ugliness that's inherent to it, like that you would have seen in the Ecstatics book. Mm-hmm. It's not here as forward i guess he still does odd like body language and things like that and odd panel but that's sort of his thing but it's working for this really well yeah there's one page where i don't understand what he was going for what page is that it's page you get 80 pages you gotta find 51 where lois and clark kiss for the first time in that dive dive bar and he has them framed by all these other guys in the bar who are all staring at them in a very menacing way and i didn't know what i don't think that's menacing i think that it, well, because they're very cla- it's very claustrophobic. They're like very close in on them. I mean, and I just didn't know what they were going for in that panel. They're all men after work. I'm, well, I'm just, it's I'm it's just a, guessing. It's a scary and, dive bar. She mentions right. that in the first time, and she's like not supposed to be there anyway. And then they start kissing romantically, and it's so out of place that maybe they're taken aback by it. I don't know. You know what I like in that same page? His hand mm-hmm. is on the table or the bar, and. <clears throat> You know, that's like one of those things, the young love things, when you, your hands sort of make contact, you know? Touch, their pinkies this? are touching, yeah. Right, but also I like that his hand is gigantic compared to hers. <laughs> right. You know, I also, oh, and then finally, there's so much to talk about because it's in here. Like, there's a great Batman scene where we, we take the Batman thing and we sort of turn what you expect of it. Like, it's actually surprising, which doesn't happen with Batman. And then the last thing, you know. <laughs> I, liked, I really liked that, you know, in so <laughs> Bruce Wayne has, has quit being a, the CEO of Wayne Enterprises because he figures it's not worth his time. and So then the, the new guy, Maxwell Lord, takes over and basically turns Wayne Enterprises into like a giant weapons manufacturer. and So it blows up in Bruce's face. So he tries to anonymously <laughs> send the Gotham Gazette files on what all the terrible stuff that Wayne Enterprises is doing in the cover. The cover. Hippie. <laughs> Anonymous hippie accuses Wayne Enterprises of arson because they like burned down whole parts of the city because yeah. they wanted to redevelop them. And I was just like, that was, that's the great Mark Russell stuff. Yeah, no, totally. And then finally, like the, just the bit where he's like, I'm Superman. She's like, I know I just broke Watergate. And I was like, (laughs) all right, I'm going to, we should give her that. I I really, you know, anything else would be making her stupid in a day. It's a good moment, but I I don't agree with that because that's the whole conceit of of the DC universe is no one. Absolutely. But in this case, she's the one for him. And therefore you can break that rule for her. That's what I think, because they have a special connection. Yeah, I'm okay. Like I said, I'm okay with it, but I don't agree that otherwise makes makes her stupid, because that's like the whole mystique of it. Oh, no, yeah, I know what you mean, but like, but there's justification for it. Jimmy's funny, Perry's funny. They really fast forward. They get married and have a kid by the end of book two. They've got a son, Lois and Clark. Hal Jordan gets killed by Brainiac, and the Justice League sort of doesn't know what to do with itself. Whether the Hall of Justice is a clubhouse or what are they actually doing? The whole, there's a whole section here about the Justice League's administration and meetings and rules and things, which is always delightful. 
I just loved it. I finished it. I was like, like this has to be my favorite thing that's happening in comics right now. You know, at the end of it. That's fun. Yeah. So we had our first issue of Lazarus in a year. Forgot it existed. Lazarus Risen number seven. They moved to a quarterly, I'll put in quarterly in quotes format, an oversized quarterly format. So this this one's also 76 pages. Mm Mm-hmm. At the end of the issue, there's the essay from Greg Rucka, which is, at this point, it's like every time it's the same, it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, this was really late. I assume you read that essay? I did after you told me to. So basically what he says is that this quarterly format is not working, which is what we, we said. I think everyone's been saying. And they're taking, quote, at least a year off to bank up the final, what is basically the final arc of Lazarus so they can come out monthly. I mean, those of us who are original Queen and Country fans <laughs> are going to feel some some familiar waves happening here. Yes. <laughs> and Stumptown. And- Eventually, hopefully, we're going to get the final act of Lazarus, which, you know, this has been one of our favorite books that started coming out during that new image boom I in mean, 2013 or 14. Ago? Oh, I thought it was longer ago. No, it was, it, was nine, two, it was when Ron left, 2013, 14. And... uh you know, it's been one of our favorite books when it was coming out. It just hasn't really come out in the last couple of years. It needs to wrap. We've, we've, sure. we've gotten to the point. All of that aside, though. This is a great issue. Comes back. No, this is the best issue of this I've maybe ever read. Because after so long, just existing in a status quo, the story actually moved forward and something happened. We learned about how this world came. Like, it was all in here. Well, what you had here was you got a bunch of the, you know, it's a classic writer move. You got a bunch of the characters in a room. And then they talked. And it was the Hawk family and the, uh, what is their even family called? Carlisles. The Carlisles, who are the main family. And I don't even attempt to explain the backstory of this book, but it's, you know, the future dystopia where a bunch of rich families took over the world and they run their fiefdoms. And But because it's in the future, like these were like tech, you know, this is Mark Zuckerberg, you know, the yeah. wonder kids who, who did this and, and you get to see the moment where like Carlisle, who up to this point, complete monster, yeah. You know, sort of justifies somewhat successfully and somewhat not about sort of why the world is the way that it is and, you know, his math. And, and Hawk, who has seemed like the evil bad guy all along, is coming actually from a different perspective than we thought. But there's a bit where Hawk serves tea mm-hmm. and, you know, they've been working it forever is awakening the entire time. And, you know, you can't trust your – whatever it said, like you can't trust your father. He's he or his slave, you know. And she breaks free of the whole thing and becomes her own person for the first time and then breaks out, you know, her younger clone sister person with, with Marisol, yeah. who I used to not be able to tell apart. But now I well, find I'm so glad I've given is. forever longer hair so I don't, I don't confuse exactly. Marisol anymore. Yeah. I got this sense of, oh, it just – it moved. And, and you could have ended it there. I, for a second I thought, was this it? <laughs> you know, and then they said there's another book. But if there isn't, like, I, it's not a cliffhanger. I was just so happy to get forward. I love this world that he created. Clearly, he loves it. It's so thoughtful. It's everything. Yeah. But this was a great issue. It was you know? a really great issue. It was, I was so happy. Because when it came, I thought, oh, right, there's this. This thing that I had loved that is just dragging along forever. And it's not ever bad. But, you know, like, right away, it delivered in a way that I have been waiting for for a really long time. So it felt really cathartic. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I was worried because it's a really dense story full of, you know, lots of intrigue and politics and just people wearing clothes who all look very similar. Mm-hmm. But I had no problem. None. After a couple of pages, getting right back into where we were and who these people all were. and I mean, what does that tell you is that you said, what's the name? And I was like, Carlisle. I don't know how I know that. I can't remember anything. Well, this is one of your favorite books for a long time. It is true. This was uh, this is the one where people were going to have to go up against the wall. 
And it uh, turns out the person who needed to go against the wall was uh, Rucka and Michael Lark. <laughs> Unfortunate. They, they couldn't get In to In a it. terrible turn of irony. <laughs> But this was great. You got really interesting backstory, which almost places Carlisle and Hawk in sort of a Reed Richards, Dr. Doom situation. Sure. Carlisle fell in love with Hawk's sister, but then he murdered her. I loved that. There was a lot of great reveals. I mean, if you have great characters and you've got a great writer who knows them, putting them in a room together is always a good idea. Great action scene to wrap the thing up. Yeah. A bunch of people get wiped out. Like A bunch of Carlisles are dead now. The two scientists where she's like, let it go. And the guy can't let it go because he's so afraid that right. Carlisle is going to take revenge on him. Yeah, I, I just I was tickled by it. And again, I, this was late. It's another 70 page book that, you know, the two books that I liked the most this week were just. They moved quickly. Though. Yeah, they no, 100%. Fast. They always have. And it's not even like not dense. It's just the guy's a great writer. And Michael yes. Lark is a great artist, great storyteller. One of the true tragedies, and I'm using that word in, in a very comic book way in a world full of real tragedy. True tragedies of the modern comic era is that Greg Rucka is not doing a ton of comic writing. What is he writing? I'm sure he's got other stuff going on. I mean, he's been doing, he's been working on his films, The Old Guard. Like he's but in, like, he it's wrote, not like he's got novels coming out anymore. No, he, but he wrote the screenplay for his Old Guard film. He's probably doing the sequel because like, it was really popular. Mm-hmm. So he's doing other stuff and making money, hopefully, and that's great. But just there was a time where there was like four Rucka books coming out and oh, they yeah. were awesome. And, you know, just not happening. It's, you know, the, the industry always moves on, but it's, it is true that, like, you see <laughs> name on a book and be like, you know, Greg Rucka could have done this. You could have hired him. I bet his rates are reasonable at this point. <laughs> you know? So this was terrific. I was happy it was terrific. I'm happy they have a plan. I'm happy that plan involves the book coming out monthly for the rest of the... It doesn't say how long it's going to be. Basically, basically we're going to wrap up the story with the, the next bit of it. He says he names a number of issues at like Does 20. He? I thought he said like a certain number of issues 20. at 22 pages each. Oh, 12 to 14 issues are left. Right. And he said issues in this sense means the, the 20 pages of content. Yeah. But we basically have another year of Lazarus stories. If it was six, I think we have a chance. But 12. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, hope springs eternal, Josh. What else are we doing here? This isn't my first Rucka Rodeo, pal. <laughs> And I'll show up. I will read every single one of those, and I won't complain about it. But I'm not going to put on rose-colored glasses here. I have to believe. It'll happen, and it'll be great. I'm, I'll be 60. <laughs> Whenever I get to the point where I need a cane, I hope my cane has a gun in it. I mean, my, That's what my, I've learned from this book. My two Stockholm Syndrome things are going to be Greg Rucka and Kurt Busiek. Like the, I'm like, whatever it is they need to do, it's fine. Right. You know, maybe they could they could stick they could work on it a little more. You know, but I'm here for it. You can do whatever you want. I get it. So this week we had Tim Drake Robin number one, and uh, this is written by Megan Fitzmartin, who was the writer on his arc in Batman Urban Legends, the anthology book, the series where he came out as by, and drawn by Riley Rosmo, who we love way back from Proof. And I don't, I don't. I don't know what to. I don't know what to make of this because it was ostensibly enjoyable as a murder mystery in which yes. Tim has moved out of Wayne Manor. He's living on a boat in the marina at Gotham, which is a rundown area, and he has a bunch of quirky neighbors who live in boats around him. And then two of them get murdered, and he has to solve the murder. They get over that murder faster than Luke gets over Owen and Baru. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if one of my neighbors got murdered, it would be, it would be. Yeah. Well, he had had like a really lovely conversation with them at the beginning, and they got murdered. And he's like, "This is interesting." I gotta clean my boat. So, as a murder mystery story, you know, it was fine. And they've given Tim 
Dick Grayson's hair from the 80s here for some reason. He's now he's got like the because that's what the kids look like. He's got the uh, the Burt Ward, you know, the <laughs> 60s haircut, which threw me for a second because I've just never seen that on Tim before. Riley Rossmo is delightful. Thank God for Riley Rossmo because I don't know if, how I would have made it through this book otherwise. We've been huge fans of his since going back to proof. He always yeah. brings interesting and unusual energy to what he does. He did that great, I don't remember who published it, but it was a great miniseries about the old man who went back to adventuring and he had the girl with him. Yep. Yes. I, remember I, that I don't remember what it was called. I don't remember who wrote it. <laughs> I don't know who published it, but I know it's that I really image. liked it. Yeah. And he's been doing a lot of Batman stuff. Like yeah. he keeps popping up in that Urban Legends book doing like a, an arc or something. But he's, he's, he's been sort of living in that world for a little while. And I love his weirdo energy. It's which just is, really Which is, in, you know, I haven't probably seen him in 15 years. But when I did meet him, his personality and being encapsulate that energy that's in the books. Right. So I guess the thing is here, it says Tim Drake on the cover. Right. And I believe he's no longer Robin. I believe he's the cipher. I did not recognize this Tim Drake as any Tim Drake I have ever read before. Yeah, I, that's my biggest problem with this book is that they've totally changed his personality. I'm someone who's probably read 90% of the comics Tim Drake's ever appeared in. I feel like I know him pretty well. And that was one of my complaints in the arc on Detective Comics when James Tinney and the Fourth was doing it. They were laying the groundwork for him coming out. And I was like, he's acting very strange. Just because like, when you've read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics featuring a character, you can kind of know their personality pretty well. And so as for a character like Tim Drake, who came to prominence, you know, when I was in like high school, um, I've, I've, you know, sort of seminal character for me. And I was like, this, this character is not the same person. And this sort of really put a spotlight on that like i just don't recognize this person anymore it's just not the same person and they tried to justify that at one point where he's like i finally get to be me but it's just like it was it's it's been 25 years it's like that was him and he was confident he was was, not a person who was falling over themselves he was the one robin who seemed to have his shit together and didn't want to be somebody other than he was right and i mean listen all your caveats aside, diversity is good. Everybody should be able to have. This one feels incredibly ham-handed to me. It feels like there was a thing that they wanted to do and they didn't know, and someone offered up this character and said, gut it. Just do what you want with them to say the thing that it is you want to say. And unlike, say, a John Kent, who had no real personality and was a kid, then went away and came back and discovers his identity, how he wants to define himself or whatever, his sexuality, all those things. It kind of makes sense. But this is a character who's been around for our entire adult lives as one kind of thing, and they just got rid of that other thing and made it a new thing, and it doesn't feel genuine. It just feels like like it's a stunt. Like it's a it's like we don't have to do it, and so we're gonna do a different thing. And it it sucks because I think you and I both really like this character. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's, it's like not whoever he wants to be in love with. That's fine. Yes. It's it's his personality that's totally shifted. Right. And like you said, he was the one Robin who was like confident and had, had, he was always the one. Like Bruce is always like he's the one who's gonna be okay. Of all of us, he's gonna be fine. He both could take or leave what he was doing as Robin, but also was clearly gonna be Batman. So you're you know saying- where Dick Grayson wasn't. He was gonna be Batman. Like that was like he he was that confident in his ability, and he was. You know, as good of a detective, better than Dick. And he was like the one who's... And then now it's just kind of like, 
he's just all over the map. Well, the idea would be that he didn't know who he was, so for years he was always kind of confused, and that doesn't hold water. So no. it'd be one thing if he was just like, yeah, you know what, I feel this way, and I'm really confident about it, I'm going to date that dude. Yeah. He'd be like, all right, that makes sense. But this whole backstory of like, oh, I feel like I can finally breathe again. Yeah. And, and you're like, you're not telling Tim Drake's story, you're telling a different story. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. Like, the confident shit together guy, he can also date men. That's totally fine. But like, you've totally changed who he is now. And also, you know, just as someone who was a huge Tim and Stephanie fan of them as a couple, I mean, they were a couple for like 10 human years, you know, for however long that was in comics. They've totally just written that off. He doesn't even talk about it, consider it. When she's mentioned here, it's sort of a throwaway line. Like, that was a serious relationship that was important to a lot of people in, in comics. And they just, they act like it never happened now. It's very bizarre. So... It's weird. It's a weird book. Yeah, it's strange. I don't even know what this, if this is ongoing or what. It was very clear in the first couple of pages. Like, I just don't know who this person is anymore. This is not the same person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which... Just which because they, you discover their sexuality doesn't mean you have to completely gut their personality, too. Well, you can it, tell the stories within the construct of what's been established for the last 25 years. Well, it indicates, like, he's been in the closet all along. So does that mean that he was just putting up a front, or... I don't know. I don't know. But it ain't feel right. In a way that with other characters, it's fine. I think it's just too established. It, it's like, it's doing an about face on a character who we know really well. It's even more jarring than Iceman. Because Iceman was a blank slate. Right, that's what I mean. Like Iceman was, it was okay because he was a blank slate, but it was still like, whoa, what? Whereas yeah. this was like, we have a character who's been at hundreds of, hundreds of comics and starred in hundreds of hundreds of comics. We know his personality. It's been pretty on point since he first appeared in Batman Year 3 or whatever it was in the 90s. That's a really good example, because I think that we can both confidently say, oh, God, this is the, like, I'm not horrible. But I, I do know that we read Cena Grace's Iceman book, and we were like, mm -hmm. this is great. This works. Yep. It felt genuine. It felt like it was still the same character. And he was much more of a blank slate. Iceman's personality didn't change. You know? Yes. They didn't change who Iceman was. Yes. Yeah. It added to it. And it actually, it was a good use of that. I, you know what? I don't know who I've been all along. Mm -hmm. Which is explained because he didn't fit in the comics for a really long time. And also, they, every time you saw him, it was different. He had a different job, different thing. Like, that made, yeah. it made sense. I totally. This just doesn't make sense in terms of making him suddenly, like, completely different. Like, it was really odd. And I, and I picked it up immediately because I was like, oh, sweet. It's a Tim Drake book. I like that. But, again, it's not bad. It's just, it's, I don't know. It doesn't work. Stillwater 15. And we are way, oh, God, we're way over. We already have so many books to talk about still. Stillwater 15, Chip Zdarsky, Ramon K. Perez. Um, we're getting towards the end. I don't know what they said what the last issue is, but we're getting there. Last, is this the, no, it's not the last issue. Something no, this is not it, but we're getting close. Yes. I would say that my, my whole thought on this one is just, it's pretty much the same as Lazarus, is that we got somewhere here. We moved forward. I f can see what we're going to. I told you, like, I, I said I finally understood the title. It's Stillwater. Everybody in Stillwater is Stillwater. And, and I, the concept of the fact that they took over this new territory mm -hmm. and that the world had changed so much from the time that they became Stillwater to the social media connected world that right. the new town was, that that's causing a problem. It's interesting. And the kid was like, they'll get used to it. And it was like, no, dude, the world has changed. And that is some beautiful socio-economic and political writing, I think. Yes, it's like you can't just take over this other town and isolate them now. They've all got the internet and they've all got smartphones and they've, you know, stuff that you don't have in Stillwater. And so, like, you know, they've got people monitoring 
posts and feeds and trying to delete them. And, and so they've taken the punitive measure of basically burying anybody from the new town in, in the ground as a form of punishment until they, until they you know, shape up. And then there's a pretty interesting twist at the end where they go to get this woman, Clara, and she stabs the dude who, come, who breaks into her house, and he dies, which shouldn't be possible in Stillwater. That's the point where you're like, yes, forward movement, something's going different, something's wrong. I'm sorry, she stabs a guy, and then another guy gets stabbed later on. There's a lot of stabbings in the side of the neck. There's sure. two side neck stabbings. That's a big thing for comics, because it works yeah. in the visual medium. Yeah, I'm just saying, I knew the guy got died, was stabbed in the neck, so I was looking at the wrong neck stabbing. There's another yeah. fight later on, another guy gets stabbed in the neck, he dies, and they're like, what the fuck? And she says, well, it's because I'm the reason everyone lives forever. So now we know there's something going You know, we knew something was going on, but now we, we have some. Right. You know, we're, but we're again, there. you know, 15 issues in, we actually take a solid step forward towards what's going to feel like an ending. And this book's great. I don't need it to go away immediately, but it can't go on forever. I don't know. I think it's, I think yeah. it's only got a couple more issues. I think, this is the I think you're arc. right. Yeah, no, it's definitely, this is the, the end of the next to last arc, I think, is yeah. what it said. I really enjoyed it. I think this is one of those books that, really interesting at first, middle ground, as it, it struggled to sort of figure out what it was. Never wanted to drop it, but I was a little confused for a while. Then they, I found footing in a direction, and now we're off. I mean, Zdarsky's the man of the moment yeah. in comics right now. You know, the guy who can do no wrong. All his books have nothing to do with any of his other books. Incredible storyteller. You know, and it, to the point where the beginning, I was like, "Ooh, Ramon Perez is on this book," and now I don't remember that. Like, he's great. Right. He should, you know, he's wonderful. But it's not. Know, maybe they're working together. But it's not the reason I came. Which is it's not the reason I stayed. It's the reason I came. Right. Action Comics one thousand forty seven. Philip Kennedy Johnson and I laughed when I saw it was Ricardo Federici because he's the artist who did such a great job on the War World stuff because he has such a sort of a classic Conan style. That to have him back now as Clark has returned to Earth, I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> I like this issue. I'm happy Clark is back. So it seems like they're going to have Clark in action and then Din Jonathan and Superman. And just call them both Superman. Who cares? Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. We're all Superman. At least their costumes are different and I can tell them apart visually. There was good bits in here. You know, there was a very superman bit where he saves a falling car and they're like, thanks, Superman. What, you know, how can we repay you? He's like, wear your seatbelts. That's mm-hmm. Superman to me. Much like Smallwood, Frederiki does a really good job with faces and bodies. Like the guy at the UN talking has a very unique comic face. Like just a lot of interesting looks. I I don't need Superman to be so beefy. He's super beefy in this book. On page 12, when he's walking to the UN, he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger and his peak. Like he's not like Tim Sale beefy. He's like super buff beefy. He doesn't need to be that beefy. He's been fighting combat. He's... he's I know. I'm just saying, like, I was like, whoa, he is, he has been hitting leg day. You get that with this artist, I think. Oh, no. I'm just saying, that was my only critique of the art. was like, oh, he's a, he's a big boy. Yeah. But I thought this was fun. I thought this was good. Sets up Lex Luthor again as, you know, yeah, his nemesis, and he doesn't like what he's seeing, and reintroduced Metallo. We have a new version of a Superman family. You know, yeah. like War was. This is like, this is exactly the same thing as when the Krypton planet was like right next door, too. It's the same thing. Like, oh, you know, war worlds in our. I feel like yeah. another planet being in our orbit would fuck up our everything. We just watched Moonfall. For more on that, listen <laughs> to the special edition Moonfall versus Geostorm. Let's move along. Uh, Eight Billion Genies, number five. I mean, this book's just fantastic. 
I read it. I'm excited that it's coming out. Again, we have forward motion. The world has changed. We zipped ahead. Well, we, we actually zipped back. We saw in 1980 when there was just one genie. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we got a lot of interesting sort of backstory. From you know, We meet this guy who was bullied as a kid. He liked his action figures. He liked his comic books. And he, he was completely confident in... For no good reason. He thought he was going to win the student council election. He got, you know, two votes and, or four votes, and no one takes him seriously. But he had the one genie. When the genie first popped up, he said, I, want, I wish people would believe in me. And now he's become like the sort of, like the Lex Luthor of the, of the planet now. Everyone believes when he says something, and he has amassed his genie army. He's been basically convincing people to give him his genie, so he's got like a giant army of genies. And we, we don't know if that's a good or a bad thing yet. Right. Because it's such an interesting wish. I wish people would believe in me. And then there's a wonderful scene in here from attorney Charles Soule. Yes. They all work very hard on this wish that they're going to, and it's all it's pages of contract language. So their whole thing is, as we've seen in previous issues, the genies will find loopholes in your wish if there are. Sure. And so he's got an army of uh, people, lawyers, whoever, who construct these foolproof, mm-hmm. loophole-proof wishes. And they're super, super long because they're... Right. In contract speak, as Josh said, so he's got to read them fully out, and it takes him forever. And so for us, we get like two, we get like one, we get like a two pages of yeah. Charles Soule using his law degree. Well, what he's doing is they're putting the world back to right because it has been scoured. Right. There's nothing left. You can't be out. Oh, yeah, somebody wished basically for everything to be destroyed, so everything basically was destroyed. Yeah, it was a good issue. It was good. I, I'm, and now we're gonna jump, I think, forward into the years, future. Yeah, I think. Yep, the first eight years. We're going we're gonna to look over that. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Thor number 753, that's going to be my last issue with Thor for a while. Oh. I really did not like this. Yeah, it was bad. Loki was in it talking like, you know, we talk about how Tim Drake didn't sound like Tim Drake. I was like, who the hell is this? No, then they brought the, um, the, the King in Black comes in the end of it. And like Donny Cates is awesome. And mm-hmm. King Black wasn't necessarily for me, but people love it, and people love Venom, and it's fine. He does what he does great, and you know, I, I'm not even going to tell you like it's not good. It's just, I don't love it, but having it, the thing I didn't love be brought into this, I didn't dig it. I didn't dig Salvador La Roca on it very much. Yeah. You know, Al Ewing is now doing scripts. He's going to, I mean, we've seen this before. Somebody comes in to co-write, and that means they take over the book. Well, no, no, we talked about this last time, because in the previous issue, Daniel Warren Johnson did that. I think we talked about this last time. It yeah. seems to be just, because last issue had... Beta Ray Bill, so he brought in Daniel Warren Johnson. This one has Venom, so he brought in Al Ewing. So who knows what what that? Means. And the other thing though was just like the whole time is is sad, introspective Thor, and I just I'm done with it. I don't. I'm want bored it. of that. Thor, I'm yeah. so bored of it. But also, I just hate Venom, and I've always hated Venom, even as a... I'm the All Father. <laughs> what? Terrible. Thor, you can call Thor Thor. Thor doesn't need a last name. He does not need to be Thor Odinson. He does not need to be Mr. Odinson. He does not need to be King Odinson. He's Thor. And he's awesome, but not this Thor. This Thor's exactly boring. You know what I really, really miss in Thor? No. I really, really miss comic book Loki. And I'm not even just his personality, I, but I his look. It's all Tom Hiddleston now. The tiny little horns, because mm-hmm. no one in the movie wants to wear the giant horns, and he doesn't wear a green and yellow suit anymore. Like, I miss the iconography of Thor. Mm-hmm. Even though I like the new Thor costume, anytime they flash back to the classic Thor and the classic Loki, I'm like, yes, that is what I want Thor to be, and it's just not the case anymore. Those giant horns were awesome. Yeah, because it wasn't about realism. It was what about, works in a cosplay outfit. It was about design, and it was about Jack Kirby's imagination. Yes. 
Old dog number one, Declan Shalvey at Image Comics, who wrote and drew it. I thought this was a disaster. I thought it looked really good and had a good concept, but I had to go back and figure out what the hell I was looking at. And what happened was, at first, I thought, this is all wrong. And then I looked at it, and it wasn't. It was correctly done. However, I think the script needed a lot of work. Like, I think there was a lot of... There was a lot of things that were said where it was like you were explaining it to me, and it ended up being very cliche and wooden, I felt. It did look great, and I was so glad to see Declan Shalvey back, you know, to drawing stuff. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite baked enough. If we use your current model of was it successful and what it set out to be, I don't think it was. I think it was a mess. Uh And I saw some chatter on Discord about this too people were like i don't understand why the characters were aging in different panels at different times and looking different so that's exactly one of the things so the guys in the van with the two people they're being assholes to him they go inside and i went and and then the next time you see that character he has a beard and i was like well is that a different person who was already working i didn't know about he calls him charlie i go back the other guy's called charlie same clothes yeah but apparently the technology that they're dealing with has something to do with aging so it kind of made sense but he wakes up in bed, and the Main two character. agents are there, yeah. and they say, well, no one can do what you can do. And I was like, he just woke up from a coma for eight years. You don't know what he can do. Right. That really bugged me, because they have no idea. There's, there's only one like you. And I was like, well, how do you have any idea what he can do, unless he's been aging in, up and down in the bed or something like that? I got to the end of this, and I was like, whoa, this was, this was rough. I wasn't happy about it. I was looking no. forward to it, but it was rough. Yeah, it, it needed something there's a bit uh so the last page they're digging through the explosion in philadelphia and someone yells shepherd who is the guy but he's not there and it just didn't I, there were too many moments of me going wait 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 which is and having to go back and look yeah the script needed another pass at least yeah beautiful didn't convey the information properly yeah declan does really great silent action pages you know Mm -hmm. where you actually see the stuff take place and move around so his like fighting scenes in the hallway and everything are really strong and it's it's good to see him come back and do that and like the energy and movement and flow are are really good but yeah it's some construction problems over from is it dark horse i think it's dark horse yeah dark horse the roadie number one from tim seeley and fran galan letters by el torres which is all fun to say it's a weird little story about a roadie for metal bands back in 83, and when they play their metal music, it actually summons demons, and he kind of takes care of it. And then we come forward to now, and you know he's one of his old rock star friends, and some demon shit goes down. I really liked it, though. Mm. Like the details of it don't really matter. Mm. If this was anybody else doing this, it would be terrible. Right. But Tim Seeley is super talented, and yeah. he put a lot in here that that brought it up to that next step. There's some really great concepts that he's introducing here about like this guy's, you know, potency because he had had a relationship with a woman, a demon who was a succubus and now regular women can't do it for him. You know, just little things. It's not part of the whole thing, but it tells you about who he was. I really enjoyed this. I thought this was great. Yeah. You had a good week. I did. I read some really great books this week. Let's talk about more of them. We're already way long. So we're bringing back the bell. The bell segment is something we haven't done in a year. And it's interesting. The last three bells, I looked them up, were all around the same time. September, August, October. Hmm, like post-con like, season dump? I guess. Because we, you know, we, we had 
relatively light weeks the last three weeks and we had this giant week and maybe that's something that happens after comic-con but it's all been around the same time period anyway if you're new to the show we haven't done this in a year 20 seconds on the clock for each book and we're actually doing a somewhat shorter bell segment than we usually do just because it worked out that way you get 20 seconds on the clock to talk about your book and uh, this is just a way to get in some other books because it's a super giant week without making the show two and a half hours long and it's fun so Josh, you're ready. You're gonna start. Are you ready? Yep, I am ready. I'm gonna so I'm gonna I'm gonna start the timer and when your twenty seconds is up, you'll hear and you've gotta stop. In three, two, one, go. Miles Morales Spider Man, I guess it's episode or issue two eighty two, but forty two of this series. This is Silent and Men's last uh uh issue. Uh, of the so the series ends here basically until they reboot it to whatever the next thing is. Uh he's been in another universe for a really long time. This is his first issue back. Uh I think it was a great run overall. I don't think it was a great issue. <laughs> the Amazing Spider-Man 904. This is an AXE tie-in, an Axe tie-in. I don't, I'm not reading that, so I don't know. All I know is the ones I've read have involved the superheroes having to justify their existence or their usefulness. I can imagine that's getting very tiresome overall, but it was kind of fun to see him have to interact with the Gwen Stacy, uh, you know, sort of ghost that was fucking him up. And, and then they, but they brought back Norman Os- <laughs> Fuck. It's a great issue. DC Horror presents Sergeant Rock and the Army of the Den, written written by the chin himself, uh, Bruce Campbell, with art by Eduardo Riso. Uh, zombie Story of World War II. Eduardo Riso's art was magnificent. It was worth just looking at in that way. Sergeant Rock is indistinguishable from Nick Fury, but who cares? It's fine. <laughs> you got more time. I'm good. Yeah, well. Do we wait? <laughs> so, Batman Beyond the White Knight, book five. At this point in time, I keep thinking every miniseries ends with five, but this was a, this is a six issue. It's a throwback. This is the second to last issue. Uh, this this whole world that Sean Murphy's created in Batman has been interesting. It, I'm, I'm I'm almost on my fingernails with it. I don't know why the Joker is is a ghost who can interact with the world. I might have missed that. I or not. For, oh, fuck me. Chuck <laughs> <laughs> Chi and the Ten Rings, number one forty one. I have really come to love the pulp. Uh, aspect of uh, Jean Lun Yang's ongoing Shang-Chi uh, story. This one had some weird body horror in it, which I thought was a really different sound of genre thing. But mm-hmm. when this book comes out, I really like it. I, you know, it's not it's not amazing. I just enjoy it in the same way that, you know, just certain books, they are what they are. They make you happy. I forgot to start the timer on that. So that sounds like 20 seconds. Sure. Ant-Man number three. I wasn't going to read this series, but you and Ryan raved at the first one, which was really good. I've liked each successful issue less. Um, I'm going to finish it up because there's like one more issue, but... Yeah. I don't know what the point of this miniseries has been. It looks great. The art's yeah. terrific. But I don't know what this is other than taking me through all the characters of Ant-Man. And I don't care about Eric O'Grady. I hate this place number five. Uh, I think this is the next to last issue in this this uh, sort of wonderful... I can't think of his name. Kyle Starks. <laughs> it just has everything that I want out of a Kyle Starks book. I, I just He's got this unending imagination and these characters and it is a different book than the ones before and it is super fun it's one of the ones just like all the other ones that get better as you go along parker girls number two uh i think if i had a better knowledge of strangers in paradise like you i would probably enjoy this book more i'm re- i am enjoying it quite a bit but i always feel like there's there's stuff here i'm not getting because i don't know what i don't know what the mechanism this one's much more involved in the strangers in paradise world than the other ones were but it looks great and the characters are interesting i just don't know what's going on uh dc versus vampires number nine is this like I, I don't know if this is popular or not but this i feel like for me this was my most slept on series because it is super fun to read Yes, you know James Tinian and Matt Rosenberg, uh, beautiful art by Otto Schmidt. 
I love every issue. I caught all up on them, and and it's just again crazy poop, pulpy, poopy fun. It's poopy fun. <laughs> Finally, Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes number six. This, I think, is Bendis' swan song at DC. I don't believe he's wow. got anything else coming up. This is his last issue. And, you know, this whole miniseries was fine. It's a time travel story where the, the Justice League teams with the Legion of Superheroes and deals with the darkness. I don't know if it's involved with the, with the crisis darkness or if it's a different darkness, but whatever. It was okay. Cheater. Uh, I know. Holy shit, we still have to do a patron pick? We got a lot. That's why I was like, fuck, we, we went way too long to be anyway. I thought, I was like, okay, after this, all we need to do is the patron pick. <laughs> no. I, I'm not, I mean, the patron power, but no. okay, fair enough. So those are the books we wanted to talk about. I read even more than what we talked about. We talked about a lot of books, sure. but I, I had like five more books. But every week, the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy get to vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron gets a vote. One patron, one vote. And this week's pick was Briar, number one, from Boom Studios, written by Christopher Cantwell, drawn by Herman Garcia, with Mateus Lopes on colors and Anne World Design on letters. And this is a take on Sleeping Beauty from the writer behind many things that we enjoy. I think that this is a case of, just like the roadie over at Dark Horse this week, it's a genre book that, at you know, at Boom, IDW, Dark Horse, whichever it's going to be, and you might look at it and not give it a second look, but then the person doing it is a veteran and you know they have skills and that, it adds a lot. You know, like people who are unknown comic book writers are sort of unknown for a reason sometimes and sometimes somebody amazing comes out, but the storytelling skill that comes from years of being a veteran TV or comic book writer or whatever it is really make this kind of genre stuff better, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, when I saw the what the book was, what the pick was, I was like, oh no, because... I don't necessarily need in my life anymore what stage I'm at is like gritty remakes of classic fairy tales. I hear you. I love those classic fairy tales. I, I've seen Sleeping Beauty in the theater recent, fairly recently, pre-pandemic, who knows when that actually was. I own it on Blu-ray. Like I like the old Disney stuff. I don't necessarily need it to be like, here's the real story behind mm-hmm. it. Even though there are those, those things exist and you know, the, the stories that those movies are based on are grittier. And sure. Once I read it, I actually really enjoyed it. The Herman Garcia art was wonderful. Oh, just yeah. really wonderful. I, I from the first couple of pages, I was like, "Oh shit!" And the before and after, yeah, you know, the color palette is completely different. And the yeah, the, the Mateus Lopes colors was terrific. It was just like very light and airy. The first couple of pages where mm-hmm. we see her as, you know, the classic, you know, princess Briar Rose was her name, and uh, we see the sort of story of Sleeping Beauty where she, you know, she has her fairy godmothers and she plucks her finger on the on the loom maybe it's the loom of fate and you know falls into her Shoot sleep this motherfucker and instead of prince charming kissing her awake prince charming decides hey isn't it better to have a wife that doesn't talk back and that's the turning point of the whole thing so this isn't so much the real it's just like that you know what they don't wake her up and that's what it is. It's Snow White if, or, or Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty if they don't wake her up. And when she wakes up 100 years later, shit is fucked up. Yeah, so in the intervening time, the whole kingdom has collapsed. You know, eventually they, you know, they, they, they were, they, they, they went out and conquered and conquested. But eventually, after a certain time, the kingdom fell and then everything fell into ruin. And her, her room where she's laying on is just overrun with vines and... The castle has collapsed. Or the kingdom is gone, but she's now a skeleton, basically. And then someone who we don't really see right. kisses her awake, and you know she's back awake. And she sort of 
slowly gains corporeal body over the course of the issue. She still looks kind of like a skeleton. Right. And it's a matter of her surviving in this new world where there are giant rats and there are and there's, blue there's people reverts. from the, you know, and then there's like pirates and she gets sold into slavery and the implication is she will eventually be sold into sexual slavery, but she's too bony right now. And, but then she's freed from that. And, you know, the, the thing where she comes out of the woods, she survives this encounter with a giant rat. Thank you, Jeff Smith. And <laughs> she comes to a, a place like a nice little, a nice little cottage. There's a cow outside and she goes in, you know, and you think, okay, somebody's going to help her. And then a person comes in and you're like, oh, and it turns out they're all slavers. And I was like, oh, yeah. so she gets gold in the slavery. Then you meet this other sort of, you know, they did, he, he did this classic comic book thing where new societies have different ways of talking, which sometimes is tedious and sometimes isn't. In this, I think it works really well. The, the Norris, nor whatever she's called. She's, she's from the north. She's got blue skin. Yeah. She doesn't like the heat. They're in the desert. And then there's south people. Yeah, they go to the... And I, and I hear you about the heat, by the way. <laughs> you know, and, and they have these kind of interesting conversations, and it was not the things like... And there's one person who remembers who she is, but their culture has gotten so far apart from where they were, they can't really communicate. She's looked at as like a portent of doom. So right. like he tries to kill her because she's like, should she rise, the world will crumble and burn. So it looks like, like it already happened. Yeah. It's, it's like, not buddy, good. There's nothing left to burn. Yeah. And then we end up in this weird sort of like post-apocalyptic, like a Conan world, like a Samaria more than the, the Sleeping Beauty world. Right. You know, it's, I, same thing that you said. I, this pitch does nothing for me, mm-hmm. but execution was fantastic. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I was glad, you know, like I, when I see Christopher Cantwell's name, I want to enjoy it. And, and when they do something, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to like this, you know, but then he, he comes out and he does the thing and it's, 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 it's really well done and it's different than the other stuff he did, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've been reading the blue flame all the way through. I think there's one issue left. I think that's probably his least successful comic, but even that's had moments of real brilliance and mm-hmm. this was very good. I was, I was surprised. Like I was like halfway through and I was like, oh, I'm really liking this. Yeah. I think that's great. So, ratings on Briar, number one ratings. I'm going four out of five. 3.8. Yeah, yes, I'm sticking with it. Yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm sticking with it at least for a bit. But so far, there's nothing to, you know, really worry me. Yeah, no. It's also, it's a boom book. I haven't, uh, we didn't talk a lot about boom books because it's actually an original property. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So, there you go. Patreon.com slash fanboy. Every patron gets a vote. And here's my message to the patrons. Keep this in mind. You have a very important job next week. Next week's our big 850th episode. We're going to be doing all email except for the pick of the week and the patron pick. So you will be in charge of deciding the only other book we talk about besides the pick next week. So make sure you take your voting responsibilities seriously. Keep that in mind. It's going to be the only other book we talk about other than the pick of the week, which means it's a, it's not like your normal vote. So keep that in mind next week when uh, voting opens up on Wednesday morning. In the meantime... If you're a patron, it gives it the $5 or higher level. Holy fuck, we're long. You sure we don't have time for an email? <laughs> I mean, we do. No. <laughs> if, oh, fuck me. Uh, where are we? Oh, if you're a patron at the $5 or higher level, you can give and get a patron power live on the show, like Bill Taylor. And Bill Taylor's power is that he has this vision that acts very much like, sort of like a DVR. So, like, you know how... Well, you don't have TV, but you know how on some remotes there's a button where you can like jump ahead three seconds. Nope. Okay. Well, some you, if you're like if you're scrolling, I believe you. yeah. My uh, Apple TV, you can tap it and you you jump ahead ten seconds. Right. So like it's like that. He can see what's coming three seconds ahead. That's useful, sort of. 
it's not like he's he's jumped there. He can see it, and it comes back to normal. Like like he sees like a ghostly image of what's going to happen three seconds ahead, and then it sort of rewinds back. He can activate that and see. He, it's it's not a long amount of foresight, but it's a three second foresight power. Nice. I'm trying to think of a practical use for that. Well, you know, I mean, like it'll stop you from getting J.J. Abrams. <laughs> right. Is there a bus no. coming out of nowhere? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess. Are there short-term betting opportunities? I guess it would. He could use that in Vegas. Yeah, I mean all kinds of things. Yeah, it's more like immediate danger, but you know, it's just a three-second foresight. So sometimes you get more foresight, but sometimes you get less. Bill got a little bit less, but he can find ways to make that interesting. Yeah. Patreon.com/slash/fanboy, five dollar or higher, you get prior live on the show. Thanks for being a patron. We are so long. We're going to skip this email, which I really do want to do, so we'll be probably be doing it right after the 850th episode. It's a good one, and we'll be saving that for the next time. But if you are, want to write in a contract at fanboy.com, again, next week's our 850th episode, so if you want to get your email on the show, 850 in the subject line. Also, you can write in for media split, put media split in the subject line. And thank you. And so let's do some quick plugs before we get out of here. Last week, we put on our media explode, Old Men and Old Movies, The Beside Adventure from 1972. That was a lot of fun. We talked about that as, long, as well as other things we've been enjoying. Just behind this show, which came out just a few days ago, our special edition Moonfall versus Geostorm discussion that Josh and I had in lieu of the Talksplode this month. We both watched Moonfall. We both watched Geostorm independently of each other at the same exact time and decided we were going to do a show on it because we were texting each other like crazy during it and decided, hey, let's just do a show on it. It was fun for us. Sometimes we do one for us. And I mean, we're early, but initial response from people, I know that they're very excited that we did the thing. I don't know what they thought about it after they listened to it, but I got more like Instagram DMs on my little story thing about it than anything I have in forever. <laughs> we do one for you and for us. Sometimes it ends up being for you as well. <laughs> so uh, that happened. And then coming up this month in October, now we're in October. How did we get to October already? Shut your fat mouth. What happened? <laughs> Cosmic Odyssey is our booksplode. It's the three or four issue prestige miniseries that came out in the 80s from Jim Starlin and Mike Mignola. I haven't read it in forever. I don't think Josh has ever read it. It's on my, I've definitely read it because you bought it for oh. me. Uh, oh, right. On my desk. I'm looking at it right now. I'm holding it. So <laughs> that's exciting. That'll be coming out in October some po- at some point. And, and then next week is Pick a Week 850. We'll be doing it live. On Friday, October 7th, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, thereabouts. We might start a few minutes late, depending on how organized we are. But it's our live anniversary show. That means it's going to be an all-email show. It goes about three hours. We'll talk about the pick of the week. We'll talk about the patron pick. And then we'll spend the rest of the time answering your emails. So if you want to get your email on the show, send your emails to contact.fanboy.com. Put subject line 850. The deadline for sending your emails in is Friday, October 7th at 12 p.m. Pacific. After that, I got I got to... You know, prep the show. So I, I need I need some time for that. So if you want to get it in, get it in now. The faster you get it in, the more likely you are to be in the show because we I tend to put the emails just in chronologically. We've got a lot of good ones so far, but send them in. Ryan's going to be with us. So if you have questions for us, for Ryan, if you have questions that are comic related, for the questions that are not comic book related, we'll answer anything that comes in, or at least we will read anything that comes in. Doesn't mean we'll answer it, but anything you want, get it in for the show. Deadline is Friday, October 7th at 12 p.m. Pacific. Show will be starting around 6 p.m. Pacific. You'll find the links on our website and on social media. We look forward to all the people in the chat room. It's always a fun time. I'm hoping Ryan makes it without passing out this time. Well, I think he learned a valuable lesson. Because he quite literally passed out at the end of the last episode. So, finally, 
you can find all of our shows over at fanboy.com archive of all of our podcasts as well as all of our old writing years and years and years of writing from our talented staff you can find out where the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking nope not anymore by following us at ifanboy on twitter or at ifanboy comics on instagram that's how long it's been since I've done this segment follow us individually at CS Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy that's where we have our archive of our old video shows which we did for many, 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 many years. And as we said before, we had two missing shows. Damien from Poland sent us the missing files because he had downloaded them. They are now in the system. They're going to start going up next week. So you'll have one next week and one the week after, or this coming week, whatever time means. I think it's this coming It'll week. It'll be there. We'll it tell you there. after. We'll tell you after it's there. There'll be Promise. a Walking Dead episode, and there's a Vault show. Huh. If you're subscribed, you'll get a notification anyway. So those are there. It's fun to watch all those old shows. When Sandman came out, we got a bump on our Sandman downloads. You know, so when things no happen, <laughs> that's that's the evergreen nature of the video show. It worked. Well, evergreen has a limit. <laughs> we're, over, we're over there in our, our Nixon sixty eight shirts. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, so that's all for me. Your all turn. right. If you like this show, you can write us a review. You can leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Those subscriptions on YouTube are also actually pretty helpful, too. I don't, do they have ratings on YouTube? Is that a thing? You just give a thumbs up or down? You just give a thumbs up or down. Thumbs up them, MFers. Yes. Thumbs them up. I believe you should smash the like button, which, you know, depending on the mouse you're using, your input device, you know, or, or certain things that are used in different ways, you may not want to smash it. I don't know. If there's accessibility devices, they're probably expensive and sensitive. I wouldn't recommend smashing them. The fact is, no matter how hard you do it, it's got the same effect. I don't know what the bell button does. And I don't want to know. Does <laughs> they, they say like, hit the like button and the, and the subscribe button and, hit the, and the bell. And I don't know what the bell is. And I don't want it. I've know. never even heard of the bell. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's uh, tell people about it if you want to. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Maybe it's like an alert. I don't know. We had a lot of fun on this show, even though we went very long. I don't know if it was like our funniest show, but I know that I really like, I loved my comics this week, and I was really excited. It was a great week. So I'm glad we got to spend more time on it. And so thanks for listening. Yeah, and also we have a lot of listeners in Florida. We just know from our demographics. So if you're out there and hopefully you, uh, I mean, I don't know, you're probably not listening because you can't, but... Hopefully you made it through okay, you and your family and your friends and your your house and whatever it is. The, the images out of Florida are pretty terrible, so hang in there. But we're pulling for you. In the meantime, that's it for this week's show. I had fun. Josh had fun. I did. And I'm Connor. It was one long-ass show. Good luck with that, pal. <laughs> Yikes. Trust me.